Super Bowl bound, baby. Niners are headed to the Super Bowl. Y'all know what I want to say, but it's a kid-friendly show today. I'm not going to use the F-bomb, but we're headed to the damn Super Bowl. Rohan, how are you feeling after the 49ers clinched their way to the Super Bowl? Because I'm feeling great. Hey, man. I mean, it's uh, definitely a nice opportunity. We get to finally cover this team going to the Super Bowl for the first time since 2019. Um, You know, back in 2019, I don't believe I was doing what I'm doing now. So it's the first time that I'm covering the Super Bowl while, you know, working as a as a journalist so pretty surreal i mean obviously the niners had a had to do the way that they had to do it was probably giving everybody a heart attack but they're in the super bowl and that's what matters what was your first initial reaction when the 49ers came back from down 17 at half down 17 come back and win what was your your first reaction um to all that like were you starstruck were you shocked were you um what was the emotion going through rohan's body right at that point yeah i mean i think overall you you definitely have a bit of a you're definitely like questioning it a little bit you know you're you're like how is this happening in a way but it seemed like everything every little detail was going the 49ers way which i think was insane and so with that in mind i think you know uh the 49ers somehow have now found a way to, to, to make it work in two consecutive games. And I think that tells you something about this team, something that you might have not known you know, before. I think that this is an important, important aspect that this team now has. Absolutely. It's definitely something that we've never seen from the Kyle Shanahan um, coaching. Uh, since he's been a coach with the 49ers, we've never seen it with Kyle Shanahan. Um, but it's definitely fun to see. If you're not already subscribed to Clutch Gene Sports or Rohan Chakavarti's personal channel, Make sure you guys go ahead and hit that like and subscribe button on both channels. Oh, we already have people saying, heck no, Joe Mo is a legend. Um, yes, Joe Montana. We'll is talk a about it. Um, Joe Montana, but, though, definitely is a legend. Um, but it's definitely a conversation we got to have, and it's definitely going to be had today on the show. We're definitely going to be talking about Brock Purdy and, and if he's a legend for the 49ers. That doesn't necessarily mean um, that he's the only legend, obviously. Um, Joe Montana is a legend that doesn't make Steve Young not a legend. Steve Young's a legend as well. So, um, there's, there's more than, there's more room for legends in the 49ers community. Um, now Rohan, it, it's sort of been a theme for the 49ers in their first two playoff games. They're starting very slow. Um, but are the, so are the 49ers capable of winning every game in the playoffs from come, come from behind fashion? Is that something the Niners are going to end up having to do in the Super Bowl as well? Is, is coming from behind the new 49ers fashion in the playoffs, and are they capable of doing that in every playoff game this year? This year? Now, I wouldn't call it their, their new fashion. I mean, the two playoff games obviously have recency bias, but if you remember how the 49ers won in the regular season, it was start off hot and then not, you know, don't take your foot off the gas. They won a lot of double-digit games this year. I mean, the games they lost were, were some of these close, close-knit, uh, you know, close-knit games where you're questioning whether they can pull it off now in the playoffs, which they clearly have in two in a row. But their wins overall, I mean, if you, if you look at it, I'm pretty sure every single win except for one, which was the L.A. Rams game in week two where, you know, you have the field goal at the very end. Every other win in the in, in the regular season was a double digit victory for the 49ers. Tells you something about this team. So I, I want to know. I wouldn't say it's you know uh, it's it's the norm now, but are they capable of winning from behind? This is a huge question because this is something that a lot of playoff teams don't unfortunately have the mo to do, and that ultimately costs them games. 49ers have now shown in two straight games that they can. Again, you can say whatever. It's opponent-based. It's matchup-based. It's the the flow of the game-based. One thing goes differently, and the 49ers could lose that game. But regardless, the result is the result. The 49ers have now come back from behind in two consecutive games, and I think that they are capable of coming from behind. Now, the funny part is they're going to face off against the comeback-from-behind merchant in Patrick Mahomes, who has done this consistently, and this is something that he is known for. Hell, he beat the 49ers by coming back from behind in the 2019 Super Bowl. So it'll be curious to see who takes the lead, actually, in this game, and then who can actually keep up with the lead. 
and, and that's something that the 49ers have proven this playoff season. They now it's something that a lot of people wanted to see Brock Purdy be able to do, lead the team from from down. Um, he's done it from four points to double digit, seventeen point game. Um, so it's been it's been phenomenal to see the 49ers come from behind. Now, I'm the kind of person where I don't like seeing come from behind victories. Now they're great when you do it but they're also heartbreaking when you don't finish it, right? So for me, I don't want to see the 49ers have to be a come-from-behind team in every single playoff game. Um, so for me, I'm definitely looking at the 49ers, and I don't want them to have to come from behind. And that's something they're capable of doing it. I think the 49ers are definitely capable of doing it, which is the question. And the question is, are they capable of doing it? Now, it's not, can they do it? They're, they are capable, and they've proven to be able to do it against two different teams to the Green Bay Packers and to the Detroit Lions, who the Detroit Lions have an explosive offense. They have an offense that could put up 40 to 50 points on any team any given day. Everything went the 49ers way, defensively, offensively. It was phenomenal to see, and the 49ers definitely have proved they can come from behind, and they could ha they have a quarterback who is capable of not only just doing it with his arm, but also with his legs. And I think that's the biggest difference is they have a quarterback that, you can't really you can't really stop him in terms of just his arm. You have to also account for Brock Purdy's legs now because he has shown he could do it with his legs, and I think that's going to be an important aspect moving forward. So yes, the 49ers are capable of winning from behind. Now, is the slow starts to the 49ers are those concerning Rohan because they started off slow in back to back playoff games. Um, is it? I don't think it's rust factor, but they started off slow in two consecutive playoff games. Is that concerning heading into the Super Bowl? Not necessarily not the playoffs. Heading into the Super Bowl, I think that it has to be. I mean, overall, if you're talking about you know what do you call it? If we're talking about the reasons for concern, you can't just say the 49ers, you know, struggling in the first half is not a concern. Hell. Any team that when you go down 24 to 7, you don't have a good chance of winning. You don't. I mean, when you when you when you think about it, the 49ers, according to projections and stuff, had like an 8% chance to win that game. So while it is really good that you have the ability to come back from behind, there's no chance that you want to come back from behind in the first place. You want to start out, you want to start out hot. And this is a this is a bit of a concern because when you look at the 49ers and the way that they, like I, like I pointed out, right, they are good with double-digit victory. Uh, or sorry, they every single victory but one came with double digits. But if you look at how the 49ers have usually started, right, this isn't norm the norm for them. They score seven points in the first quarter on average this season. That's second in the NFL. They scored 6.8 per game just behind the Dallas Cowboys in the regular season. Meanwhile, Kansas City, they're only 13th at 4.6 points per game in or points per first quarter this season. So the 49ers, you know, they should get off to a hotter start than the Kansas City Chiefs just based on how this season has gone. And Kansas City now they they've come back. They've 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 been a really good second quarter team this season. Uh, I believe they're top three. They are average around 10 points per game in that session. But the 49ers, you know, statistics point to them being a good starting team. I think they need to, need to be able to do that. And I think that the last two games are concerning because, again, you're now going up against arguably one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time already at age 27. He's going to have the capability to sustain a lead. This is not the type of quarterback that you want to test with when he has a lead because the Kansas City Chiefs with Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs, they are near damn unbeatable. I mean, that's just how the record shows it. Mahomes, that's that's who he is. And so you you do want to keep a lead. And even then, when you have a lead against the Kansas City Chiefs, that could also be concerning understanding how Mahomes can come back and beat you in, in, in various different ways. So definitely a concern. It's definitely concerning for me because the 49ers starting out slow, um, needing things to go their way, needing to get a, a create a turnover. Now, if you don't create turnovers or if Dan Campbell doesn't go for it on fourth down a few times in, in your defense, um, puts up a big stop, things may not go your way. And, and I understand that looking at it now, 2020 hindsight, right? Things went our way. 
So it's 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 easier to say, oh, don't do this or don't do that because you don't want it to go the other team's way. Now, for me, I felt like the offense has been a little stagnant to start the games. I feel like against the Kansas City Chiefs, a team who has struggled offensively throughout the season and, and in the playoffs a little bit, um, I think it's an opportunity to go up early and force the Kansas City Chiefs who don't have a true number one re- a receiver. Their best receiver is Rasheed Rice, who is a rookie receiver. So if you put the opportunity, you you put up points on the Kansas City Chiefs defense, which is the, the top three defense in the NFL. If you do that, it makes the, the the life of the Kansas City Chiefs a lot harder. Now, I do want you guys to drop all your guys' questions, comments, and everything. We will get to as many questions and comments as we can today. A big conversation is what's the reason for us starting slow, Rohan? Like, is it the is it Kyle Shanahan's game plan to come out the gate? Is it us not being able to establish the run right away? Why are the 49ers starting out slow? Because to me, it, they cannot do this in the Super Bowl. If you start slow, the odds of you of, of winning that game decrease drastically because you are playing the best quarterback in the NFL and possibly the best quarterback to ever play the game when it's all said and done, when he wraps up his career. Yeah, I mean, I, I again, every case is different. But if you're talking about the slow starts, they've been unique, right? The 49ers did come out of that uh, Green Bay Packer game up 7-6 at halftime. But if you look at it, I think the key to it is their defense. Their defense has struggled in the first half of both games. Um, in, in the first game, the defense allowed a 14-play drive that ultimately only resulted in a field goal in the red zone. So good job, Ben, don't break. But, you know, you allowed a 14-play, 68-yard drive on your first drive, the next uh, next time down, Green Bay gets in the red zone again, and the 49ers get a stop. If that's two touchdowns, it's a 14-0 lead. It's really hard to come back from that straight up. But the 49ers, you know, in the first half had three consecutive drives that they allowed at least 10 plays to occur to the Green Bay Packers. These long withstanding drives that can really suck the life out of, you know, suck the life out of the arena, suck the life out of your defense and things like that. That's been a huge issue. And then offensively, I mean, the 49ers did score seven points in that, uh, you know, that one time, but there's been a common theme in the first half of both games. Jake Moody has missed a field goal in both games in the first half. The 49ers, not only are they settling for a field goal in the first half of both games, but they've missed. So if you talk about it, San Francisco, that's two straight possession or a possession in two straight games where they have lost the opportunity to score in the playoffs. Every opportunity, every point matters. And I mean, the, the Detroit Lions, they found that out, you know, the hard way this past weekend, but every opportunity matters. So I think it's a combination of things. Number one, though, I think it starts with the defense. Um, the offense, I'm not as concerned about. We saw in the second half of the last game how the offense can really spurn together consecutive scoring drives one after the other. And real quick, I want to mention this comment. One was blocked. That kick, if you look at it, block kicks half the time are also on the kicker. And it likely wouldn't have gone in regardless. It was going so, it was going the, yeah. So there's, there's, you know, there's, there's discourse about it. But I, I think that the defense is the main thing. I mean, if you look at this past game, everyone has it burned into their memory. The defense really struggled in this game. They gave up, th- uh, I, I believe, two straight touchdown drives, and then they gave up another touchdown and a field goal. They gave up four scoring drives in the first half of this one, and they were lucky that that last drive turned into a field goal because the 49ers, you know, um, allowed Detroit to get within their 10-yard line. Like, I think the field goal was like a 20-yard field goal or something. So you cannot allow Kansas City, um, you know, to, to get off to a hot start offensively and then when you're on offense, you need to make, you know, you need to make sure that you're also in control of the game. Can't have missed field goals. The 49ers have scored a touchdown in both, uh, you know, only one touchdown in both halves. Um, and then in the second one, you know, uh, in the second game, they had an interception as well. So really my main takeaways, got to make sure that you capitalize opportunities offensively, score the points when they're there. And more importantly, Get stops defensively and don't let these drives like extend into 10 play, 12 play, and even 17 play drives. That, you know, that's just not going to be a formula for winning football. Yeah, absolutely. If if you have not, um, make sure you get subscribed to both channels, Clutch Gene Sports, Rohan Chakavarti's personal channel. And I think the the reason to the slow starts, I think you said it perfectly. I mean, I think it's defensively, not getting off the field. I mean, when you're having five, six-minute drives, and the offense only has the ball 
three times in the first half of, of the NFC Championship game. And one of them is an interception. That is a big way to start slow. Giving up touchdowns on every possession, giving up points on every possession defensively. It, it forces your offense to essentially be perfect. And realistically, you have the 49ers team has to play complimentary football, complimentary football. Even how good Brock Purdy's played, how the good the offense is, how good the defense is. If you are not playing that kind of level of football, you're gonna be, you're not gonna be very successful. Now, the 49ers, if you look at them in the second half, right? Defense forces a fourth down stop. Now it was looking like the Detroit Lions were going to go down and score right after our field goal. Looked like they were going to go down and score. Luckily, Dan Campbell goes for it on fourth down, which is essentially a turnover. 49ers get off the field. They march down and score a touchdown. That is that is exactly what the Niners need to be able to do against Kansas City in the Super Bowl. You start slow against a team like Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs, who, in my opinion, I think the Niners do have better talent um, around their roster. I think they have better talented players. But when you start keeping a team who's less talented around, the confidence is gained. And I don't think that Kansas City Chiefs need any more confidence. I think they're a super confident team, um, unlike the Detroit Lions. I felt like Detroit understood they were outmatched by the 49ers, and that's why they went for it on fourth down. And that's why they called for a couple of trick plays because they felt like they were outmatched in that game. But they needed an edge. They needed to do something to get that extra extra touchdown or extra point or two. And that's why they were going for it outrageously on four down. That's why they ran two flea flickers on the 49ers. It's because they were outmatched, and they understood they were outmatched. 49ers, key to start the game, and the key to not start slow is defensively, forcing a three and out or forcing, even if they drive, forcing at one of the drives, you have to get off the field. And I think the 49ers have not done so well. Now, a question that I was asked, um, I was actually, this question was sent to me directly uh, by someone who watches the show. They were, they asked, did the Lions expose the 49ers defense? Um, I thought this was a great question. Um, you could kind of say maybe possibly did the, the Packers expose us uh, because first. That's where I was going to lean to. Yeah. Because first if you talk the- about the way that it goes, I mean, the, what did the Lions do? They found different ways to run the football down the 49ers' throats. More importantly, they found different ways to hit the edge. What did Aaron Jones do against the, the, the 49ers? He had 18 carries, 108 yards. I know 53 of those came on one outside zone run. But he was getting stuffed inside, you know, it, 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 uh, in between the tackles. Outside the tackles is where he got those five, six-yard gains that he consistently got. The tack or the, you know... Protecting the edges has not been the 49ers strong suit in the run game over the past few weeks of the season. Same thing happened against the Lions, but the Lions also have a better offensive line and a better power back in David Montgomery, who is able to churn out those yards up the middle and also able to get his own on the outside. Jameer Gibbs got his own on the outside. That's where you see a lot of these explosive plays, including a third and 12 conversion in the run game, which is, you know, which is wild. So I don't know if they exposed it because I think the, these flaws have been apparent on film the last few weeks of the year. But I think that especially in prime, like, you know, in prime time with the game on national television, it clearly highlights where there are issues with the 49ers. And more importantly, I think if you look at it in the second half, the 49ers played well. The biggest question and one that I'm writing about later this week that I want to throw back to you is when you talk about the 49ers defense, they were exposed in the first half, not in the second half. Why does it take so long for them to adjust? So that's a great question, Rohan. Um, now, I do think there was a bit of Niners being exposed in terms of this. is this. I understand the Niners statistically have ha- had a good run defense, right? Now, you look at the statistics, it's been that way because teams have been forced to actually throw the ball against us in terms of keeping up with our offense. Our offense are putting up points, so teams go away from the run against the 49ers and it forces teams to go away from the run. Now I felt like the Niners throughout the entirety of the season have been a team that you could run the ball against now. And the reason why I think that is Javon Hargrave. I know when we initially signed Javon Hargrave, one of my concerns was our run defense was going to decrease. It was going to decline because he one, He's never been a good run defender in the NFL. He's never been a stout run defender Two, He's, it forces you to play a style of football that the 49ers aren't used to. When your linebackers aren't clean, it forces the 
the run game to be become muggy. And, and the Niners linebackers like to be clean. And for me, that's the way and that's the, the key and the recipe to success for the 49ers. Javon Hargrave being at defensive tackle has not helped. Arik Armstead being injured out of the lineup and, and not fully healthy does not help the roster. Losing Clean Farrell and forcing players to play on the outside and, and stop the run. The 49ers defense is very capable of being ran on um, at this moment at this point. And for me, it's concerning. It, it kind of is being exposed in a way because you're going up against a team that, in my opinion, I think they could run the ball. I think Isaiah Pacheco and their offense is capable of running the ball. This offense of line of the Kansas City Chiefs is strong in the inside. If you look at their interior offensive line, that is probably their strength of their offense. And moving guys like Javon Hargrave, guys like Kevin Givens when they're on the field, that's gonna that's a concern. Um, so for me, I do think that the Lions did expose a certain aspect of the 49ers, the run game. Um, defensively, they struggle against the run, and I think that's going to be something that um, Andy Reid and the Kansas City Chiefs offense tries to expose. Now, you did ask, why does it take so long for the 49ers to adjust and, and change up what they're doing? I think Steve Wilkes. I, I said I don't think Steve Wilkes will be back during halftime of, of the NFC Championship. Um, and I'm standing on that. When you have a coach who comes in and it's not his system, he doesn't really understand how to, what, where do I go in the system that's not mine? Normally, your own system, you kind of know what, how to enter, how to counter something. With Steve Wilkes, he can't really counter. What is he supposed to counter if he doesn't know what he's really running? He has not fully been comfortable in this defense since he's been brought on. He does. He's used to being up in the booth calling defensive plays. He got brought down. Because that's where they wanted him to be able to have that man-to-man -man conversation with Fred Warner. I think when he's able to go into the, the locker room, they're able to look at the film, and he's able to hear from Fred Warner in a deeper conversation and guys like that. I think that's when they adjust. And I think that's why we've seen Steve Wilkes not be able to adjust in the first half. And when you come in the second half, it's a completely new game plan. To me, that's concerning. Like That truly is an issue for the 49ers right now. First half. Everyone is saying, put an extra guy in the box. Well, why did he never put an extra guy in the box? Instead, stuck to his two high safeties, playing super far off, soft coverage, in terms of not necessarily soft coverage, but more so the alignment was soft. And second half, they come out. They bring in uh, um, Tashawn Gibson in the box. They start playing more press alignment. Why? It, I feel like it took the conversation of, Fred Warner having that conversation in the locker room, showing him the film. And to me, that is a huge concern, Rohan. It's very concerning. Wilkes was also a concern of mine in my post-game show when you talk about the way that he has, you know, the first half to second half adjustments. And we'll, we'll talk about this potentially in this show or even in a later show. But I genuinely don't believe, even if the Niners win a Super Bowl, that Wilkes returns in 2024. And that is, again, a topic. I, it's a, we, actually, it could be a bold let's take. That topic. Let's have okay. that topic right now. Because I yeah. said, I said on, so we'll, we'll, obviously we had the, the, we already talked about being exposed. Will still weeks, will still, will Steve Wilkes be back? I, I think that this is a good question because now Wilkes is a good adjuster. Second half adjustments, it's good. The 49ers also have a certain process. I mean, I think Kyle Shanahan is involved with the second half adjustments. We've heard that from players in the past, and I think that that also has a, you know, him and players have an input. Wilkes does do a good job. He adjusts well in the second half. The players adjust well in the second half. And a part of the issue is also player execution in the first half. That first half was sloppy a little bit. You had players like Chase Young and Fred Warner miss out on certain plays. I think that that is a concern, but... I think the scheme is the biggest issue. I, I genuinely do. I think the scheme just hasn't fit for several, uh, you know, uh, at, on several occasions this season. Obviously, the 49ers being explosive as they are, and also, more importantly, finding different ways to generate turnovers has, uh, you know, alleviated some of those concerns, as well as other teams just genuinely haven't had as good of a rushing attack as the teams the 49ers have faced in the playoffs. So I think that there are concerns, and I think the 49ers need to fix it because Wilkes wasn't a guy who was you know who who came originated from the 49ers scheme he isn't a guy who came from the 49ers building when shanahan was here like the other two defensive coordinators it's a different realm and so 
would not be surprised if Shanahan pulls the plug and looks to go a different direction in 2024. It's very, it's so for me, when you bring a, a coordinator in to run your system or run the system that's already been in place and have to implement it, learn it, it is a lot harder, right? So I do, I, I do want to give him some leeway because he did, he has done a good job of leading the secondary. But the 49ers have a, a phenomenal defensive line in terms of what they're paying the defensive line, right? You can't pay a defensive line so much money and not get the production out of that defensive line, whether that's schematics, whether that's coaching. Steve Wilkes has not done a good job for the second for the defense in terms of adjusting. When you have to have a coordinator have the conversation with the linebacker, and Fred Warner has said this. It's been public. Fred, Fred Warner has said, I've had to tell him what I'm seeing so he could adjust the game plan. I've had to have that conversation with him one-on-one -on -one with, with guys like Nick Bosa and guys like Dre Greenlaw to Sean Gibson in, in the meeting rooms. And we've had to ha have the conversation. It's a hard conversation to have, but it's one of those ones where they've had to tell him, we don't like what you're doing. We don't like yeah. what you're calling. Yeah. When the play, when your best players are saying this, there's a concern. Now, I don't think he, I don't think they should bring him back next year. But since their their options are limited, um, after the Super Bowl, uh, it would have to be an internal promotion. Which I thought Daniel Bullock's the safety, uh, safety defensive back coach, should have been promoted last year. Kyle Shannon has to be confident that it's not going to be another step back. It's not going to be the same thing. Instead, if, at that point, if you feel like it's going to be a similar situation, up and down, rocky situation throughout next year with Daniel Bullock, then you better hope Steve Wilkes is a coach that could adjust within the next year. Um, in year two, he's going to get better, right? Like that's what you're hoping for. Year two, he gets better. So I do think there's a possibility that he does come back in, in re reality that he's going to get better for the 49ers. I just don't see the 49ers. I don't see why the 49ers should bring him back. I think the 49ers should roll with Daniel Bullocks, um, and I think that should have been the issue from the beginning. I thought that's what they should have done. Now, I, I do appreciate you guys commenting. I do see Alberto Soto's comment. Wilkes is not going and, and nowhere. It's his first year adjusting, and by Casey running the ball, that would just take the ball away from Mahomes' hand, and that could be a benefit to us. Actually, I disagree with it being a benefit to us. I think it, it actually makes it harder for the 49ers to stop Kansas City because if you start allowing Mahomes to go play action and or you have Mahomes be able to drop back and and you're in base situation and stuff like that, Mahomes is a very capable quarterback of picking you apart through play action or without play action. So it kind of makes it a little bit harder for the 49ers to stop him. Um, but I do agree it is Steve Steve but, first year. Mm -hmm. One other thing I want to add on the second half, real quick. Remember what Kansas City did in the first Super Bowl against the Niners. And I, I'm not saying that there's going to be the exact same blueprint. Kansas City had Damian Williams rush for over 100 yards on 17 carries in that game. Over six yards per carry. He also had a touchdown. The Kansas City Chiefs also had, you know, Mahomes had his own scrambling thing. And he threw 42 times. But it's not like they didn't establish a run game in that game as well. They also had a run game established. And Isaiah Pacheco might have more of an impact given the way that they've utilized him this year and also the strength of their offensive line. But continue on. So for me, I definitely think it's one of those ones where it, it kind of makes them a lot harder to slow down um, because they don't have the weapons. So when you start going play action, gives the opportunity for their weapons to be more open because Mahomes is understanding what they're doing, what you're in. So it is, becomes a lot harder to defend. Now, I have a, this, this question has been on my mind and it's kind of one before we get to the Purdy stuff. Have the 49ers disappointed in the playoffs so far? I mean, they were one of the top teams in the NFL. Defensively, they were one of the best teams in terms of giving up points. Um, statistically, their run defense was really good. Offensively, they were, they were striking on all cylinders. Have they been disappointing in terms of who they play? They play the seventh seed, uh, Green Bay Packers, who in my opinion, weren't that good. And they let they let them hang around and it came a closer game than it should have been. And then against Detroit, it was a defense that was not good. And in the first half, they weren't the offense wasn't putting up point. Offense didn't do much in the first half. Like they had the ball three times, but then the defense going up against Jared Goff allowed them to put up points. So what did you see? Has it been disappointing in terms of 
what the 49ers were throughout the season. Um, because to me, I think it has been. I'll go first on this one. I think it has been disappointing. Go for it. Um, I think they've been disappointing and disappointed disappointing in the playoffs. I felt like they were going to completely dominate the uh, Green Bay Packers. I felt like they were going to come out, and I thought they were going to dominate the, the Detroit Lions because of Jared Goff. I thought they were going to force the Detroit Lions to throw the ball with Jared Goff, and instead it was opposite. They allowed them to run the damn ball, and they were trying to take away Jared Goff's over-the-middle play-action stuff. Like To me, that did not make sense for anything. Like We knew what the, what the Detroit Lions wanted to do offensively all season. Run the ball, go play action, and attack the middle of the field. Instead, the Niners said, you know what? Let's take away their number two. Even though they like to run the ball first, let's take away number two. And I felt like, to me, this game plan, disappointing. Uh, game plan against the Green Bay Packers, offensively, disappointing. I thought they should have attacked the, the running game and, and ran the ball more. Instead, they went pass heavy to start. Um, so for me, I do think the 49ers have been disappointing in this playoff so far. Now, it doesn't mean that they, they're not capable of winning a Super Bowl. I just felt like for how dominant they have been, I do not think these games should have been as close as they are. And that's what I mean by disappointed in the playoffs because they've been the, one of the most dominated, dominant teams in the National Football League, but they've played down to their, their opponent's level so far in the playoffs. I had a feeling you were going to go that way, and I understand what you mean. But I will say that I have a different opinion. Personally, I don't think they've disappointed in the playoffs. And the main reason is that I judge the playoffs in a much different realm than I judge the regular season. In the regular season, every game, you know, every it's not that every game doesn't matter, but you're looking at it in a collective kind of environment. And also you're looking to see what teams are true playoff contenders, playoff pretenders, things like that. What teams can really make the Super Bowl based on the way they play in the regular season, where you have a collective body of work that you're trying to evaluate. In the playoffs, though, Every game matters, and every game is unique. I think that ultimately the number one goal, and really the only goal in the playoffs, is how you win. And or, or sorry, is that just you winning. win? Yeah, just win. I, I think that disappointment to me is if the 49ers did not make the Super Bowl. Again, the the job still has to be done. You have to win a Super Bowl, which the 49ers were favored to do. And so maybe we have a different discussion. Should the 49ers lose and in, 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 in what way that they lose if that happens in the Super Bowl? But so far to me, the number one objective has been winning. There's a reason that the entire narrative currently around the 49ers is positive because they pulled off an improbable upset, not focusing on these, you know, the abysmal first half that they had. I think overall, when you look at it, the 49ers. To me, not in the playoffs. Have they, I don't think they've disappointed in the playoffs. I, I I don't. I think that the to me, with the way that they've won, they've proved to me that they can come back from behind and they can win. I'm not going to hold it against them that they can come back and win. Now, you, there are certain things that you need to improve. I, I think that that's true. I agree. We talked about Steve Wilkes' first half adjustments, making sure that those come out soon. We talked about the run defense. We talked about, you know, making sure you capitalize your opportunities offensively by hitting field goals or, more importantly, converting field goals into touchdowns. I think that there's a lot to improve. But ultimately, if the 49ers hold up a championship banner, they're number six in history, and it it could be a seven to three game where they it's a slugfest and they absolutely suck, you know, offensively, nobody's going to care. So to me, my my opinion. Don't think they've disappointed because they've won. That's a, that's a hell of a point because at the end of the day, playoffs, all that matters is winning. But for me, it was more so I, I felt like the way they have won has been a little bit disappointing. Even not necessarily disappointing because the comeback come from behind wins have been something I've been wanting to see. So I'm not going to say that's disappointing. I just felt like defensively it's been more more so defensively has been disappointing. Going up against Jordan Love and, and a Packers offense that should not be giving you fits and then going up against Jared Goff, who should not have scored 31 points on you. That to me, that where it's, it's more so disappointing for me. I do like what um, I believe is Jack five ten says is I was looking at the 49ers schedule a week ago or a week or so ago. And I was a little underwhelmed with their opponents. Looking back on it, how many teams did they beat that you guys would classify as a good team? Well, I do believe the 49ers. I like this play, question. Yeah, they did play. I felt like going back at their schedule. I do feel like they played a couple of good teams. Now, some of them they didn't beat. Now, Rohan, which teams would you consider some of the good teams that they beat? And now, I think the Rams were a good team. Did you think the Rams were a good team? Yeah. Yeah, I would say so. 
Rams. Uh, what about uh, Cowboys? Um, yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, to me, this is a good question because when you look at the schedule, there are certain teams. Again, the number one way that people kind of judge teams based on strength of schedule is how many teams that they face made the playoffs. I believe the 49ers played in nine games against opponents that made the playoffs, obviously two against the Rams because they played in uh, they played Pittsburgh week one. That's one. They played the Rams. They played the Cowboys. They played uh, the Browns. They played the Buccaneers. That's five. They played uh, Philly. They played the Ravens. They played the Rams. So sorry. Eight games in the regular season of their 17 were against playoff opponents. And then if you dive a little deeper, I mean, they played against a Bengals team that had Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow obviously injured. Bengals don't make the playoffs. They played against a Jacksonville Jaguars team that was one game out of making the playoffs. Same with the, the Jacksonville team at the time. Jacksonville at the time was like was six, six and two. One. Yeah, six yeah, and they two. were six they and two were, at that time. They were a good team at the time. Now, looking back after the end of the season, you could say, you know what, they weren't a good team after the end of the season. But at the time, they were a good team. So for me, right, it's kind of so. On I, I guess it's week. like the way that you look at it, right? Because and again, it also it depends on how you classify good. Because the Pittsburgh Steelers made the playoffs. I would not consider them a contender. I wouldn't consider them that great of a team, but they made the playoffs, right? And the 49ers blew them out by 23. Again, the Jaguars, second half collapse, makes the 31-point win now less impressive than it was at the time. The Cincinnati Bengals didn't make the playoffs. He lost to them by two scores. The Minnesota Vikings, that was a team, again, that's a team that had Kirk Cousins at the time. I believe they were four, uh, you know, they were around 500 at the time. That's another team you lost to. So I think that, you know, there are teams or there are games where you you are head scratching yourself because of the way that the game went out. And there are there there are games where, you know, it's more impressive than you initially believed. So it's definitely I feel like the Niners have played a handful of good teams. Now, you you Jack 510 also says, I think he's the most disappointing aspect is the 49ers not getting a rhythm on offense. I think rhythm on offense and defense of not getting off the field on third downs have been to me were the most disappointing thing. Now, Brock Purdy has won two back-to-back games where he's come from behind. Brock Purdy has led the 49ers to a Super Bowl. Brock Purdy has been labeled by a lot of people as a system quarterback. He has been labeled by the national media as not good enough. But it does not matter because in the 49ers realm, is Brock Purdy already a 49ers legend? Drafted with the last pick in the draft. Leads them to a Super Bowl. Is Brock Purdy already a 49ers legend in your eyes, Ron? I will say no, not yet. Just because he's in year two. And he hasn't, if we're being honest, in terms of NFL accolades, the NFL accolades haven't come yet in terms of Super Bowls and Pro Bowl appearances that you, uh, you know, characterize as a legend. This is his first Pro Bowl. This is his first. I be, did he make the All Pro team? He, um, he missed I think All second Pro, team, right? Second oh, team. he, he missed no. because Dak took over. He missed, Dak yeah, yeah, because of Dak. Wait. Yeah, so he has one Pro Bowl on his you know, on his resume. Potentially could have had one All Pro, and he has one Super Bowl appearance. You know who also had that? And I again, when I say this, I'm not. I don't at all mean that they are similar. I think Brock oh, Purdy is clearly him. better. But Jimmy Garoppolo had a very similar resume. Now, I think Brock Purdy is going to have a much better career than Jimmy Garoppolo. I think he is going to be a much better player. But when you talk about legend, you're more so talking about resumes, which is why a lot of people are pushing the brakes on Patrick Mahomes being the greatest of all time already. Just because Tom Brady, when you look at his resume and his seven Super Bowls, Mahomes hasn't reached, you know, half of that yet. So I I think that, that, like, when you talk about legend, I think that that's a question mark. Now. Your second question, does a Super Bowl cement Purdy's legacy? Absolutely. Because I think a Super Bowl is the determining factor in, you know, in comparing guys who have made it and guys who have won it. Because that's really the thing that pushes people over the top. Kyle Shanahan has a Super Bowl to his resume. People view him in a whole nother spectrum. I think people view him with a lot more respect than, than, than they do about the guy who has made the Super Bowl and choked it away twice. You know, that kind of way. Brock Purdy, I think if he wins a Super Bowl, again, there are very few quarterbacks in the NFL in the entire in the entirety of its history that have won a Super Bowl. More importantly, he is beating arguably one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time when you go against the Super Bowl. I know it's a team sport and things like that, 
but there's only been one quarterback that has beat, or sorry, two quarterbacks that have beaten Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs, Tom Brady and Joe Burrow. And, you know, to be in that category, especially in the, in the Brady category, I think that that says something, especially considering the 49ers have not won a Super Bowl since 1994. I think he absolutely becomes a 49ers legend if he wins a Super Bowl. And I think it's immense his legacy. Just not going to go there yet, given how young he is in his career and how, you know, it's turned out so far. So I'm going to answer a, a couple of questions in the uh, chat. I did see one. Uh, no, Clean Federal is out for the rest of the season. He's a big place on the IR. He will not be in the. Yeah. He will not play in the Super Bowl. Um, but is is he already a 49ers legend? So I think there's the way I'm going to answer this is kind of tricky, right? Because I don't think he's a legend yet because he doesn't have the ring unless. And so I'm going to answer in two different parts, right? So the first question is: He already a 49ers legend? Yes, but no. No, because he doesn't have a ring yet. Yes, because the 49ers have had quarterbacks who we've been a quarterback out. Like we have not had a quarterback who has played like this. Um, the last quarterbacks that have had that like kind of feel or that Kaepernick vibe, or like you think of Kaepernick, people are like, Oh, he was a oh, hell of a time with him. Like, right? Let us to mm-hmm. the Super Bowl. He was a great quarterback for the 49ers. Um, everyone remembers Kaepernicking, like he has some kind of legacy or some story in the 49ers franchise. You think of guys like um, Jeff Garcia. He had that swagger. He led the Niners to the playoffs, never took him to Super Bowl or anything like that. He has like kind of a history, right? So I do think he has created a, a great story, a legendary story, like start to a story, right? Now, I don't think it's necessarily a legend yet as a 49er. Now, if he does win the Super Bowl, I do think a Super Bowl cements his legacy, not only with the 49ers, because if he does win a Super Bowl, he would be the third quarterback to win a Super Bowl for the 49ers franchise. It would be the Joe Montana, Steve Young, and Brock Purdy. But it also cements him as one of the greatest picks in NFL history. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So if he wins a Super Bowl, it is automatically perfect that he is a NFL legend or NFL legend or 49er legend. Now, for me, I do think that he started creating already a legacy for the 49ers. Now, I don't think he's a legend of the 49ers yet. I don't think he is. But at some point, even if he does not win a Super Bowl for the 49ers, let's say in 7, 8, 10, 15 years, 20 years, you got, there's going to be a lot of people in here who are saying, if you were like, right, for example, perfect comment. If you were born after 2000, yeah, he's a legend. I don't think so. I was, I mean, I was born, I was born in 99. I don't think he's a legend. Has he been one of the best quarterbacks we've seen for the 49ers? Absolutely. I don't think he's a legend yet. And the reason I think that is because as a quarterback in the NFL, in order to, in order to cement your legacy for any franchise, and I think this is why I've been a lot harder on Brock Purdy, why I was harder on Jimmy Garoppolo. Why I was hard on, on Colin Kaepernick, Alex Smith, all those quarterbacks that I've seen. Those are the better quarterbacks that I've been able to watch. No Super Bowl rings. The, for, the 49er standard is Joe Montana and Steve Young winning Super Bowls. That is our standard as the 49er fan base. So for me, he's not a legend yet. If he gets a ring, let's have that conversation. He'll be this answer could legend. very well change in two weeks. Now, in terms of his NFL legacy, I think that he's got the most unique story in NFL history. Right with his with his seventh round pick turning to a Super Bowl with all the records about being Mister Irrelevant and things like that, you know, I think that that legacy in, in terms of um, that storyline is already cemented. I mean, I, I don't think that regardless, Purdy could potentially be injured and never play again, and that legacy would be cemented. But if you're talking about the legacy that you know ultimately leads you onto the path of the Hall of Fame or leads you onto the path of being you know one of the uh, the, the the story legends in franchise history. Think that the Super Bowl is where he started. So for definitely for me, I definitely think that he's created a narrative for himself. He's created a, a buzz, a conversation, and I think it, he's deserving of it, right? Like when you have other players, other national media talking about you in a way, um, you have like right now, the last couple of weeks, it's been is Brock pretty good enough? Is Brock pretty this? Is Brock pretty that? I'm very curious to see how the NFL starts viewing Brock Purdy 
Now he's in the Super Bowl. He led the 49ers to the damn Super Bowl. He's still getting flack for leading the 49ers to the Super Bowl. Now, I was one of the ones who was harder on, on Brock Purdy. I kept saying, I want to see him a full year of Brock Purdy. I don't want to just see five games. I don't want to just see him from last year. And right away, people were like, oh, he's already a top 10 quarterback. For me, I still think he has a lot of a lot of places to grow. I think the film that's out on him now, how do teams adjust to him? I want to still, I still have questions, right? So for me, there's an argument that he's he's creating a legacy. That he's in the NFL, you don't see the last pick in the draft do what he's done. But it's also, if you look at the last couple, the, you, there's undrafted free agents who have put together better careers than he has. So without a Super Bowl ring, it's not a legend yet. He might be, he might be go down as one of the greatest picks in NFL history. But if we look at guys like Tony Romo, who was undrafted, never won a Super Bowl, but put together a solid career. You look at Kurt Warner, put together a Hall of Fame career and went undrafted. That is what a legacy is. That's what legends are, right? So for me, I think Brock Purdy is inching there. If he beats Mahomes, automatically he cements his legacy in 49ers history, but also in NFL history. And, and I'm curious to see um, what other people think. I know I see comments here. Shout out to this uh, Cent Centennial Football channel. Winning the Super Bowl is the only way a legend can start. Super Bowl win is the first chapter in the legend of legendary careers. Kyle and Brock have to beat KC. Absolutely, I agree. I absolutely 100% agree. But there's going to be there are 49er fans who believe Brock is already a legend in 49ers history. So that's why I brought the question to to Rohan. I wanted to see, hey, what do you think? And great conversation, Rohan. It's a good topic. Yeah, good topic. Now, I don't know if he has it saw the Cam Newton stuff or whatever. Cam Newton has hated on Brock Purdy for a little while. Um, if you guys have not already, subscribe and like the channel. Clutch Gene Sports, Rohan Chakavarti's personal channel. Hit that like and subscribe on both channels. Let's run the numbers up. Let's see if we could get the likes up um, on both channels. Now, Cam Newton came out and said, right, a couple of weeks ago, he said Brock Purdy is a game manager. And that in order to be a game changer, you have to be the truck not the trailer, right? Came out and said this and said, Brock Purdy right now is the trailer. He's being pulled by a great defense, pulled by Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, um, Brandon Ayuki, and George Kittle. He's being pulled by them. He is not the difference maker on the team. He then comes out and says that Brock Purdy cannot be a game changer because he's the 10th best player on the 49ers. Rohan, I sent you the video because I wanted you to have some kind of context of what is going on. Um, I will post the link. Um, it is on YouTube. I will post the link of him saying this on Clutch Gene Sports channel. Um, also, I'll, uh, re I retweeted it on you on my Twitter account, Marco underscore Mark 1205. What are your thoughts on Cam Newton saying this, man? I think, uh, I mean, you and I shared a brief conversation about it, but it's him posturing. For his previous comments after you know Brock Purdy is kind of proving some he's proving people wrong in the playoffs I mean this is the second consecutive uh week where he's orchestrated a comeback in the second half you could say whatever you want about his performance and I'm not going to try and label him the winner tab you know that's a lot of a lot of people try to do that for Jimmy Garoppolo but it's the way that he wins is important and Brock Purdy's kind of proven that now the issue is Cam Newton's going to get away with his comments if the 49ers don't win a Super Bowl, but I don't think that's fair to Brock Purdy. I also think if you're talking about him being the 10th best player on the 49ers, depends on how you view it. I think, again, comparing players at different positions is something that I think is extremely subjective, right? It's how much you value a certain position over another. But if you're talking about valuing, you know, valuing positional value um, in, in the debate, I mean, I don't even think he's 10th. He's probably 5th. I, I think is where I've kind of uh, been there. I think you probably have Trent Williams, Nick Bosa over him. You probably have Fred Warner over him. And then you probably also have um, Christian McCaffrey over him. I think that those are the four in terms of, because to me, best player to me is like the most important to the team. So I would probably put Brock Purdy at five, even above guys like Brandon Ayuk and uh, Debo Samuel, considering the value that uh, the receiver position has overall. And so, 
regardless of whether you put him, I, I don't really care where you kind of rank Brock Purdy overall, but the fact that he's not a game changer, I mean, he has created, there's a, a certain part of him that orchestrates this gamer mentality. And I think you see it now in the second half of this past game where to me, the quarterbacks that truly excel are the quarterbacks that just find ways to make plays. This is something the 49ers have lacked at the quarterback position for a while, but it's pretty, pretty isn't the fastest quarterback. He's not going to be, he's not going to be dubbed as a mobile quarterback, a dual threat quarterback, but he had three different carries, three different scrambles for 52 yards where it was all on important downs. You know, it was two different third downs conversions that the 49ers had and a second and 11. So the 49ers were able to get out of those situations because their quarterback made those plays. On top of that, you look at the different plays that he made. He scrambles out, um, finds a way to, you know, keep the play alive and then hits Kyle Juszczyk for a crucial first down um, in this past Lions game. He's finding different ways to avoid sacks and make plays. Our, my guy, Kyle Posey, he, he asked a good question about sack avoidance for Brock Purdy, and it's one of his most important characteristics. That's the reason the 49ers, you know, can go can get away with not maybe having one of the strongest offensive lines in the NFL because Purdy himself helps out the offensive line by being able to avoid sacks despite not, not necessarily being the most fast quarterback in the NFL. So I think that when you when you consider it all, game changer, game, I, I don't know. You can say whatever term it is. To me, Purdy's starting to exhibit these gamer kind of uh, this gamer mentality, this these different type of, um, you know, this different element of his playmaking that has been there, but truly is now starting to come out in the playoffs. This is also I'm not going to say that he's on his level at all right now. But if you remember back in the back when Patrick Mahomes, you know, was in the playoffs, Patrick Mahomes is not a very fast quarterback either, but he finds different ways to create to make plays go off schedule when necessary. I think that that's an important trait for quarterbacks. Purdy is starting to showcase that skill. And I think that that's why I don't think any of this debate that Cam Newton's trying to stir up matters. So what's, what I find hilarious, and I found I said this the other day about Dan Orlowski as well. I find it a clown take when, so for example, Dan Orlowski was jocking Brock Purdy all season, right? Jocking him. Like it was was calling him one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. And then come playoff time last week, he starts saying that the Niners can't win with Brock Purdy. Say what? Like, how are you gonna how are you gonna change up? Right? Like to me, that doesn't make sense. One, because you're using you're gaining a lot of traction and communication and and likes and views talking about Brock Purdy. And then he changed up. Cam Newton said he wants to see Brock Purdy be a game changer. Talked about game changers carry their teams to wins. Okay. Brock Purdy carried his team to a win against the Packers. Game-winning drive. And, and that was no question. You can't say he didn't lead them. It was, what, five for six? Six to seven, 44 yards. And six had the seven. scramble, the nine-yard scramble that led to the McCaffrey touchdown. So, uh, so you got me wrong. I, I thought he was five for six. He was actually six for seven that game. In that game-winning drive. You look at him in the second half. And this is something that blows my mind that Cam Newton's going to even talk about because I'm going to bring up a stat that debunks everything that Cam Newton just said because game changers don't do this or, or game managers don't do this, I should say. In the second half of the 49ers NFC Championship game, Brock Purdy threw for 150-plus yards, rushed for 45-plus yards, completed 80% of his passes, averaged 10 yards-plus per rush, had zero turnovers. You know how many other quarterbacks have done that in one half, Rohan? No. None. In the last 30 there years. There we go. In the last 30 years. Game changers do that. Game managers don't. You know what a game manager doesn't do, Rohan? Let they me don't know. Come back, they don't come back from down 17. Game managers don't do that shit. Now, I get the conversation. You could have, okay, yeah, he may be... A, but he literally debunked everything that Cam Newton has said. Cam Newton said he wants to see him carry his team to a win. He did that twice, back-to-back -back weeks. You decide to change the goalpost that he can no longer be a game manager because he's the 10th best player on the 49ers. Well, pretty hard to be a top five player on the 49ers when Fred Warner, linebacker one in the NFL, puts him on the top of the 49ers list. Trent Williams, 
linebacker or a left tackle one, probably tackle one in the entire NFL. Christian McCaffrey, receiver one in the NFL in the NFL. Or, or running back one, sorry, in the NFL. So of course you're not gonna beat Fred Warner. Like all these guys, you could name so many players on the Niners. Right. There's a there's a reason. There's a reason that even though he's the whatever Beth player on the 49ers, there's a reason that they are where they are. I mean, you can't discount the quarterback for having a good team because it's especially when the quarterback has shown that he can elevate that team. Now, if the quarterback is kind of, you know, he's benefiting purely off of his teammates, that's a different argument. You know, that's an argument we've had before, but this is a different case. And it's not like for me, it, I just want you to stay consistent, right? For example, Cam Newton came out and said he gave a criteria, right? He gave his criteria the first time he was asked about Dak Prescott and Brock Purdy. His criteria literally was their buses. They're not the truck of their, their team. The, the teams, Their teams don't win because of them. They win because of the roster around them. He said, I want to see them carry their teams. Well, Brock Purdy just did that, and then he changes up. Like, you're going to move the goalpost. You cannot move the goalpost for players every time they, they prove you wrong. Like, if you get proven, admit it. It's fine to admit, you know what? He may not be a he may not be a game manager. He may be more than a game manager. Now, is he a game changer? I don't know. But he sure as hell changed the game last uh, last weekend against in the NFC Championship, rushing the ball. So it, it's crazy to me that you completely change every every time you're proven wrong. Now, Sacktown Izzy says, Jeff Saturday said, nobody can name five QBs that had a better year than Brock Purdy. Now, me and I will actually, I'm going to ask you this question because I asked the same question to, to Josh Harper on Monday night's show. We talked about top five quarterbacks in this year's um, season. We went on, we were talking about how NFL is year to year base. So, like, for example, rankings. Correct. I feel like they're year to year, right? One yeah. year quarterback gets injured, so you can't really put him in the top five, or he loses his offensive line or receiver, so you can't really rank them the proper way. Year to year, it, it's a, it's a different ranking. Now, was Brock pretty in the top five this year? Yeah, but yeah. there's five quarterbacks, six, six about six quarterbacks you could put in that top five. So I had said top five without uh, ranking them. I said I wasn't going to rank them because I don't want to do that. I said. I'll give you five or six that are in there. I said Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Dak Prescott, um, CJ Shroud, Brock Purdy, and I'm missing one of the and Josh Allen. Josh Allen. Josh Allen. Those are six. I said the three that you could enter you could switch around however you want. I think the other there's only three that stay in the top five. Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes. CJ Stroud, Dak Prescott, and Brock Purdy could all be moved around however you want in terms of how good they played this year for their respective teams. So jo uh, uh, Josh Harper said the same thing. So I want to see is what are your top five quarterbacks this year since this was was asked by Sacktown Izzy is, is can you name five quarterbacks that are better than had a better year? And I'm not saying they're better years, but they're they had top five to top six like seasons yeah i think that you nailed it in terms of the players the other guy that i would include in there um is uh matthew stafford i think that he had a good year specifically towards the end well, of the year top five? would you put him but the top five uh i wouldn't put him above the other guys but um top five um lamar and josh allen are my top two um i, I think that you know, th those guys are up there i think the other three are interchangeable I honestly think Patrick Mahomes is also interchangeable. I don't know if you're talking about the overall year. I don't know if he statistically had a top five season overall. But um, hold on. But so I, I'm going to ask you another question, right? Because I've been ahead. a defender of Patrick Mahomes this year. And statistically, it was a down year. But if you look at the tape, he actually had a really correct, good year, correct. right? So like yeah, statistically, yeah. so I kind of like throw away statistics in a way because people are going to be like, oh, Lamar's touchdown passes, his yards. That's fine. Look at the entirety of what he does, right? So for me, Mahomes-wise, did he have a top five like season for a quarterback this year in terms of film? Um, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Top, sorry, I was uh, I'm top five. Yes, I was saying in the top three. I think you can 
uh, make an argument for another player. I think that you can make an argument for one of the other guys that I have um, uh, that I have up there. But I think that um, year-wise, you can argue Prescott. You could argue um, Purdy. You could argue Mahomes. I think that those are my top five. I think Stroud falls just outside of the top five. Yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely a good argument. And the fact that Stroud is already close, pushing to the top five as a rookie is insane. Um, I think he still has a. I want to see another year of him, um, too. Just like I wanted to see another year of uh, Brock Purdy. Now it is a great conversation. I think Cam Newton is very off. Um, I do, I do like having the conversation. If you guys have any questions, please drop them in the chat. Um, Rohan, 49ers, Chiefs. What is your initial thoughts without giving um, anything away? Um, obviously, because I know we're going to be get, talking next week more in depth and stuff like that. So I kind of wanted to, to not necessarily look at the Super Bowl, but give me your, your initial thoughts. How how is, how does it match up for the 49ers and the Chiefs without giving away anything too deep for this game plan? Yeah, I, I think that, I mean, maybe I'm too just – football thinking and not talking about the specific players. I still think that this is going to be similar. It's going to be a battle of the trenches. I, I still think this is going to be a battle in the trenches. And I understand there are some good quarterback talent. There's, there's a lot of good skill position players on the 49ers and uh, you know, a, a great defensive coordinator for Steve Spagnuolo. But I think overall, the way that this works is how are the 49ers going to be able to run the football which they've kind of had success against every team, including the Detroit Lions, who, you know, the, the Lions were a top three run defense this year, and the 49ers just had 90 yards with McCaffrey, while Purdy put in 58 of his, or 50, I think 50 of his own. And so I think that there are questions in that regard, how the 49ers will match up against the Chiefs, how they're going to kind of work, are they going to work more inside, outside? But more importantly, I think the trench battle is going to be on the opposite side. How's Isaiah Pacheco going to run the football? Pacheco isn't as explosive, maybe not explosive, but maybe doesn't have as natural of a speed uh, of speed that Jameer Gibbs has. But overall, Pacheco is still an explosive running back, and he's a guy who runs hard. He's a guy who can be a battering ram at times. You know, he's a guy who who can definitely make it work. The Chiefs have a good offensive line for the most part. I think that guards, if Joe Tooney plays, I think him, Trey Smith, Creed Humphrey, that's a solid interior. And then on the outside, you also know they signed Jawan Taylor, who struggled a little bit at right tackle. But uh, overall, I mean, I think it's a fairly solid offensive line. And then you clearly have Patrick Mahomes. So I think, you know, it's a, it, to me, it's a, it's another going to be one of those trench battles. And then I also think it's going to be a battle of the defensive coordinators. I think that Steve Spagnuolo is going to try and, you know, devise some, some type of unique type of setup for Brock Purdy, where you're going to probably see linebackers drop into zones a little deeper than you normally expect. You're going to try, you're going to see Spagnuolo throw a good amount of zone coverage at the 49ers to see how Brock Purdy reacts to the zone coverage. But then you're also going to see some blitzes and some aggressiveness. Spagnuolo's a guy who likes to blitz again you don't know how tendencies might change in the super bowl because you because of the the different matchup and things like that but i think that's going to be important and i also think how steve wilkes starts is going to be important because it seems like getting out to a faster spark against two teams who can come back from behind is going to be a key in this one i definitely think the spagnola defense how creative he is at disguising blitzes is very tricky against the 49ers because if you look at the Baltimore Ravens, they disguise a lot of things and they were successful against the 49ers. I do think it is going to be one of the trenches. I do think this Kansas City team is very physical. Um, It's not like the other Kansas City teams where it was more finesse and stuff like that. It's a very physical Kansas City team, both sides of the football, offense and defense. Um, I think it's going to be one, one that is one on the teams of who could run the ball better. Um, I think both teams could be able to run the ball against each other. Now, who's able to stop the run a little bit better. Now, that's going to be tough for both teams. I think Isaiah Pacheco is a really good running back. I think Christian McCaffrey is the best running back in the NFL. I think the Niners can run the ball on any team they they want. Um, I would go I would go a little bit more man against Kansas City. Um, and the reason I would go a little bit more man I is agree. they don't have the weapons. Um, so I would go man. I did save that question for last. I know we only have a, a few more minutes. Um, if Mahomes has the ball, this, I'm gonna this will be our last question. We'll answer real quick, 30 seconds. If Mahomes has the ball with two minutes to go and has to drive 70 yards at the end of the game, what percent chance do you give him to get a touchdown? 
if this is a field goal, I'm get, I'm honestly saying like 75. If it's a touchdown, I'm saying like 30%. So what's crazy is the uh, when a team has the ball on their own uh, 30 to 39-yard line, the statistic is 36.3% is usually a touchdown um, of their drives of a team in the National Football League statistically, maybe a little bit higher now. Um, that's what it used to be. I'm going to go with, since Mahomes has the ball, I'm going 50% chance. 50. Mahomes, Interesting. Mahomes, yeah. It's he's, I've never, I'm like, he's Mahomes is the Brady of this era. He's, he might drive all the way down there though. And then have uh, his boy Kadarius Tony or somebody drop the football. Well, he's hurt. They're not letting him play. I mean, whoever it might be, they might drop the football. You're not wrong. They might drop the football. If it's Kadarius Tony, Niners have a better chance to get a, a drop pass turned into an interception. Now, if you have not already, make sure you guys go to both channels. Make sure you guys go to Rohan Chakravarti's personal channel. Hit that subscribe button. Make sure you go to Clutch Gene Sports. Hit that subscribe button. And on both channels, make sure you guys hit that like button as well. Make sure you guys comment your guys' favorite part. Is Brock Purdy a legend in your eyes? Does the Super Bowl cement his legacy? Yes or no? And give an explanation on both channels. That's it for today's show. Thank you all for tuning in. The Clutch Gene Sports and Rohan Chakravarti's personal channel are out.